0: Well, I am so excited, and and honestly, I'm very privileged to be here today and to be part of the five lives that are following the Lord in in baptism. You know, when when I pray and prepare for a Sunday morning worship service, uh, it's always my desire that everyone here, you know, if they want to, everybody here goes away challenged in their faith. But I find services like today are special because not only are we going to be challenged in God's word today, but we're going to be able to see the word lived out and hear testimony of being lived out in people's lives. Now we talked last Sunday about kind of the direction that we're going to be going for for a while, probably until the first of the year. Uh, We talked about taking a number of Sundays and going a little bit deeper in our faith and talking about some doctrinal issues, some very, you know, deeper things of God. And last week, uh, we talked about knowing God, and about the revelation of God to us, the revealing of himself to us. And um, with our service in baptism today, I want to focus on an appropriate doctrine to look at. I want to look at the doctrine of sin. Now, there is a fancy theological term when you talk about this area of the study of looking at sin it's called hamartiology and I know uh, that's a foreign word to many of us because Steve Ackley said down the hallway he said I have never ever heard of that what is that and uh, you know he's one of our giants of the faith here so if he hasn't heard of it um, you know I know we're going into some deeper things here but the Greek word for hamart means sin and the word ology means study. So it is the study of sin. So when you talk about pneumatology, it would be the study of the Holy Spirit. Christology is the study of Jesus Christ. Hamardiology is the study of sin. Now the question is, why look at sin on, on the day where we're celebrating baptism? Well, let me give you a few reasons. Number one, baptism, we know, is an external show of something, an inward work that Jesus Christ has done for us. That, you know, when somebody gets saved, and we've talked about all those, you know, that are being baptized today, you know, that's something that has happened deep within our heart and in our soul, that Christ saves us. But people can't see that. And so baptism is this external symbol, a show of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that that identification, that, you know, testifying that we have accepted that within our heart. That step, when a person does that in Jesus Christ, that step is what we call being saved, or it's salvation. You know, we're being saved from God's judgment, saved from the wrath of sin, the punishment of sin. And so at the very heart of, of, of the baptism here and taking a step back of a person getting saved, at the very heart of a person getting saved is an issue of sin. For a person to become a child of God Sin needs to be taken care of in our life. Now, there are many reasons that people might pursue God. You know, there's many ways a person might be drawn to Christ. A person might be having some really struggles in their life. And, you know, they read the Bible and and they begin to pursue God because of the struggles and to find out some answers. You may have come to Christ because you came to a place in your life with a hopelessness and an emptiness and, and a purposelessness and that might brought have brought you to pursue God. Even a desire to know God, you know, um, a lot of people have those, you know, God reveals himself in nature as we looked at last week and to know, you know, see that and say, you know, to, to know our creator. And I want to tell you all those things you know, whether it's hopelessness, struggles in life, just a desire to know God more. All of those things are used by God as a means to bring a person to him. But they are not the end. The end is salvation. And the issue of salvation is an issue of sin in our life. Being saved and being a child of God, it's not wanting purpose, about wanting purpose in our life. It's not about wanting to know God more. It's not wanting to have help for the struggles in the life that I have. Those things are all important, and they're all part of our faith, but they're not part of salvation. Salvation is an issue of sin. You know, becoming a child of God, a hope of eternity, it's all about that wall of sin that we all have between us and God and what Jesus Christ has done to remove that wall of sin in our life. So let's talk about sin for just a few moments here. It's going to be a shorter message because the rest of the message is going to be uh, the testimonies and the baptism. But let's take a look at sin for for just a moment. Let's start with the definition of sin. You know, this is a pretty broad subject. Um, Probably one of the best definitions of sin that I've heard is very simply to miss the mark. To miss the mark. Anything that misses The mark of God, of what God wants, anything, you know, that misses that mark is sin. And again, the emphasis is on God's mark. It's not what the world says, it's not what culture says that determines what is right and wrong, or what is sin and what's not sin. You know, I I think any adult here can attest to how much morality and cultural standards have changed over the last 20 years, over the last... 50 years you know it's changed within the world and unfortunately for many it's even changed within the church what morality is in isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 it says woe to those who call evil good and good evil who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness see that's why it's not the culture it's not the world standard it doesn't matter what they say is sin or not sin or all right or culturally accepted What matters is what God says, what he's revealed to us in his word. He is the standard, because he is the mark by which we will all be judged. Now, to say to miss the mark, I mean, really, that that kind of, sin is so broad, and it it doesn't really kind of flesh it out, and, and really, I'm not sure if there's one verse in the Bible that just fleshes out what sin is, but there are a lot of verses, that talk about what fall under this umbrella of what sin is. And we'll give me a bunch of them real quick here. First John chapter 3, verse 4, it says, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. So that would be talking about things that we know, I'm breaking the law and doing something I know God doesn't want me to do. You know, that, that, that falls in this category. In 1 John 5, 17, it makes a statement It says, All unrighteousness is sin so if something isn't righteous you know that if it's unrighteous is wrong it falls in that area of sin romans 14 23 says but he who doubts is condemned excuse me it says and whatever is not from faith is sin isn't that interesting so anything that we do that is not a faith and tied in our relationship with god he says whatever is not a faith is sin it goes on and says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 4, he says, haughty eyes and a proud heart. The lamp of the wicked is sin. There it's talking more about attitudinal things, proud heart heart, a, a haughtiness. And then you have James 4:17. It says, Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. We call this the, the sin of omission. We have sins of commission that we, we commit a sin. But then there's sins of omission. In other words, we know a right that we're supposed to do, but we ignore it, and we don't do it. And and God calls that sin. So sin is is so broad that falls under uh, this umbrella. We know that when sin entered mankind, we know that sin, you say, well, how how do we all have the sinfulness? We know that sin is transmitted from the parent to the child from the parent to the child. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 5, it says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, not the act of being, the conception was the sin, but at that moment of conception, the sin nature is passed from the parents to the child. Ephesians 2, 3, it says, Among them, we too are formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, by what? by nature, children of wrath, even as the rest. It's not just sins that we commit, but our very nature. We are born with a sin nature, all men and women, everyone. There's no exceptions. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and then verse 18. It says, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world. It's talking about Adam and Eve. Through one man, sin entered in the world, and death, through sin, And so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. So just like it came through one man, it says, so then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men. It has been handed down to us, that sinful nature. So we all have a sin nature. But no one can deny that not only do we have a nature, but we also have sinful actions. Just think about your past week. Maybe some things that you did, some attitudes that you have, some thoughts that you have. You know, that's why Romans 3.23 can say, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. We have all missed the mark. So with that, let's, for just a few minutes, let's talk about sin. Very specifically, let's talk about sin. Let's start with a, or, or excuse me, um, let, let's talk about the sin that separates us from God. You know, sin has consequences. Not only, you know, is it our actions that we've done, we've committed and we've omitted, but sin has consequences. It separates us. One of the consequences is it separates us from God. It has eternal consequences. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, it says, Then he, also, he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed one, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil's and his angels one of the eternal consequences of the sin nature and the acts of sin that we commit is a separation from god in a place that we refer to as hell a place of eternal punishment and some people think well yes i do wrong things but i also do a lot of good things and that could be very true but again remember god is the standard here and, and sin cannot be dealt with by trying to have our good outweigh our bad. You know, we talk about that on the scale somehow that somehow we, we feel that when we, you know, stand before God that, yes, I've done a lot of wrong things, but I've also done a lot of good things, and, and hopefully God will look at those, and, and somehow it'll it will outweigh it. No, know, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says, For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy garments, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind, they take us away. All our righteousness, no matter what we do outside of Christ, if we are not a Christian, there is nothing that we can do good that is somehow going to impress God enough to say there's no penalty for sin. There's no penalty for, for the nature that we have had handed to us. And so with this, this, this horribly gloomy situation that we have been born into into this world a fallen world what is our hope what's our answer to sin well you guys know john 3 16 don't you say it with me for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have an everlasting life That is the answer. God loved the world and he gave his son that whosoever believeth him should not perish, should not pay the wrath of their sin, but we should have an eternal life. Acts 17, verse 31, it says, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man, it's speaking about Jesus there, through a man whom he has appointed having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So one day, when we all stand before God, what is going to be the standard? What is going to be the standard of of judgment or not to be judged, of eternity in heaven or eternity in hell? It's all going to hinge on the person of Jesus Christ, God's son, his death, his burial, his resurrection, as, as a payment for our sin. What Christ did on the cross, all of that is, that's all that's going to matter at that point. Not whether we tried to be a good person, not even let, that we tried religion, you know, trying to pursue God. What is going to matter is what we did with the cross of Jesus Christ and his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Romans 6.23, the very first part of that verse, it says, the wages of sin is death. Now folks, we talked about and we said we're all born with a sin nature. Plus we all know that we have sinful actions. If, If the price of that, the wage of my sin is death, what's my hope? The second part of that verse, it goes on in 623, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is our hope. It is only Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter seven, verse twenty-four, verse twenty-five, it said Paul is speaking here and he said, "Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death?" I mean, he's just gone on in a whole chapter talking about he does things he doesn't want to do. He doesn't, you know, find himself doing the things that he should be doing, and he's talking about this 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 prison of sin that we are all called into. And Paul, he gets to the end of that chapter, and you can just hear him you know, not just writing, but crying out in his heart, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is our only hope. Jesus Christ, he is the answer. He is the only one who lived a sinlessly perfect life. And then in a free act of of his will, he went to the cross to die to pay your sins and to pay for my sins. Now, those verses in Romans 7 that I read there, they're at the very end of the chapter. And the chapter then chapter 8 starts with this verse. It says that. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are in Christ Jesus, those who have accepted him as his Lord and Savior. If you are a child of God, there's not a judgment coming. There is not a, a, a condemnation coming. And, and through this picture of baptism that we're going to be witnessing here in just a few moments here there also comes a challenge it's, it's so neat to watch these people following you know and, and identifying with Jesus Christ that's so neat but but every baptism is a challenge to you challenge to each and every one of us here and the challenge is who will pay the penalty for your sin when you stand before God how are you going to, how is that debt going to be paid? are we going to try to pay for it with our acts that we've done and trying to earn his favor he, he says that doesn't work what is the answer who is going to be paying for your sin you know i find in there are a lot of people who today don't like talking about sin in fact there's a lot of churches that don't like talking about sin that we are sinful um it, it comes across as being judgmental and in some ways it comes across as being you know, hypocrites, because even as a Christian, you know, my sins are paid for, I still sin, but those sins are all paid for. So we, we come off looking bad, so we find that so many people, we don't want to talk about the very central issue of our salvation, is our sin, of why we need to be saved. Friends, if, if someone you knew had cancer, and it was just spreading through their body, and, and you had the antidote for it, It's not an act of love not to point out that they have cancer. Well, Let's just talk about their nice hair and and how nice they dress. It's an act of love to talk about something that is destroying them and to point them to the right way. And that's why sin is so important for us to understand it, not to minimize it, not to delude it, because it separates us from our eternal loving God. And the question everyone here has to answer is when I stand before God, who is going to have paid for my sin? Will it be Jesus Christ and I've accepted his payment into my heart, accept what he has done to pay for my sin? Or am I going to be relying on something else? And I want to tell you at the end of this service, at the end of the baptism service and everything, if there is anyone here, would like to talk about being saved about what it means to be a child of god if you want to ask how you know we do it and and everything i would love to sit down and talk with you i can have somebody else talk with you about it this is a question that is way too important for us just to gloss over and say well that's a really nice truth you know it doesn't become ours until we accept that within our heart not just accepting it within our head